Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what we like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beta male. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better. Hello, hello, and welcome to Under the Floodlights. And we have officially reached the on the beach section of the <laughs> season, as all but two games actually look somewhat competitive. Gabriel Jesus scores four as Arsenal declare interest. The Gunners get a helping hand from Craig Paulson to win against Man United. Death taxes and Divock Origi as Liverpool beats Simeone's Everton. And buying football clubs turns out to be harder than we think, and that's the reason it's in the mud this week. I'm Bailey Hutchison, and with me as always is Chris Ringland. Chris, how are we? Um, yeah, doing, doing grand. Uh, no, I have to say straight off the bat, um, actually, first of all, before I go straight into it, we should apologise, I think, to the listenership. Uh, yeah, we we had a bit of bit of a nightmare of recording times last week with uh, with big Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, ha- hands up, recording a podcast a couple of hours early in the football world where new- news comes out quickly and particularly tragic news can come out pretty quickly. We may have had a few jokes about Ronaldo uh, missing game time on purpose that didn't age too well. So hands up, we did get that one wrong last week. Uh, yes, we, we we obviously didn't know at the time that that was uh, going on, but we yeah, send our, yeah. our best wishes to his uh, his family at this um, very difficult time. Mm, get to see him back on the pitch against Indeed. Arsenal. Indeed, uh, making the 100 club, no less. Um, Which was ver- very strange to find out that now he's in the 100 club well, when you <laughs> consider players like Peter Crouch are in it. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get into that when it comes, but uh, I think we're talking about the Merseyside Derby first, Billy. But yeah, I have absolutely. To, I have to admit straight off the bat, Billy, that I have seen zero footage of the Merseyside Derby. Well, you're one of the lucky ones, Chris. It was a terrible game. Um, uh, I'll be can, honest. Can I, can I guess what happened? No, you've yeah, go for it and we'll, we'll take a few things off. Um, so I'm guessing that Seamus Coleman basically led a backs against the wall, um, time waste everything, few yellow cards, um, you know, type of thing. And Dave Ogarigi came on with a couple of minutes to go and broke the line or something um, well you're, you're nearly there so for 60 minutes it was that type of performance from Everton it was a lot of time wasting a lot of nothing happened uh, one of the few things that did happen in the first half well actually talk about before the game first uh, oh, right. midweek Paul Pogba faked an injury at Anfield well after five minutes alleged uh, so, yes well no 100% he did we, <laughs> we all know he did but apparently uh, he's coming back I heard yeah, he claimed 15 minutes into the United Arsenal game via Twitter that he's coming back. Well done. Uh, but Ben Godfrey decided to go one better and decided to fake his injury before the match, which meant that Michael Keane had to come in as a last-minute replacement. Oh, was Michael Keane not actually playing? No, he, well, he wasn't in the starting lineup. I right. think, for good reason, after recent performances. Well. Uh, but, it, yeah, in the first half, there was an interesting moment where Ben... Uh, Anthony Gordon... Why am I saying Ben Godfrey again? Anthony Gordon was through... You're me yeah, my my lookalike, uh, he was kind of through and took an awful dive in the <laughs> Liverpool box and was straight away yellow carded. <laughs> but it was the typical English media thing of, oh yeah, he's dived, and then no mention of it again. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. There was a point also in the first half where Richarlison kicked the ground and hurt his ankle quite badly, so he was rolling around on the ground and Jimmy Carter screamed for him to get up. <laughs> claiming I see him do this every week and then as soon as the replay was shown to him as to why Richarlison didn't get up he was silent that's the most emotional reaction I've ever heard oh, the sky coverage and Chris honestly if you haven't watched it go back oh, because well. it was intolerable at times what Jamie Carragher was doing in this game because I don't know whether people realise that Jamie Carragher grew up as like an, a big Everton man Oh no, Martin Tyler made sure to let us know that every right. couple of minutes. He was like, Jimmy, we should get a documentary made about that. <laughs> what? I, I mean, admittedly, that is, that is quite a tough line to, to kind of trade. Because, like, you know, if Liverpool are the team that sign you, that's what you got to do. 
Well, yeah, and he's completely, completely turned, so he has, and yeah. for good reason, one of them's actually successful, one of them's, <laughs> one of them's winning Champions Leagues and trying to go for a Premier League this year, the other's going down, so I don't I, think... I mean, he may, he may have won the, well, I suppose he did win the Champions League when, when he was there, but I mean, not much but yeah, We also seen the first half, great moment from Jordan Pickford, who 45 minutes in, caught a ball, went down with like no one near him, no reason to do it, and sort of came up on one knee and just winked towards the sideline. Why? I think Frank went out with just a pure Simeone attitude of, we're not going to lose this game, so waste as much time as you can. And by right. that point, nil-nil in the first half, Anfield was turning. So, so, was... so did, did, like, did Evan create anything? No, not... Right. Other than the odd kind of run-in behind by Gordon, there, I think right. there's also one run-in behind by a Wobie of all people, who Come on. We, we all know how that ended, he got it stuck between his feet. <laughs> but there was actually, they did, they should have had a penalty actually in the second half. Oh, Gordon really? Gordon was through again on Matip, and for whatever reason, it wasn't even checked. Matip right? kind of puts a hand on the shoulder with a push, and there's also, you can see, his foot stands on Gordon's foot. But because it's Anfield and it's Liverpool, we don't check those things. Similar thing happened in the first half. There was a bit of handbags, as I said. Oh, great. Oh, what, what caused that? Well, Richarlison was down on the ground. <laughs> Everton were all saying, you know, kick it out, everything. Liverpool were like, no, we're playing I, I on. I hate that. Carragher was screaming, you know, play on, of keep he was. going. And Fabinho <laughs> just made a bit of a run midfield and the Curry just wiped them out. Right. Not I do kind of love that, to be fair. But that, yeah, I was all about it. I yeah. had no issue, and all the Liverpool ones decided just to try and act hard for a moment. Well, well, well Billy, as was Henderson playing by the way. Henderson came on later and done his right. bit. We'll because, get on to that. Because, as we as we all know, Billy Liverpool are always right. Yeah, hundred percent. So they came over uh, a bit of handbags. Mane slapped the guy <laughs> who he slapped. He also then poked his finger in another guy's eye. Oh, did he? It was near enough the eye. Oh, right. Well, a bit, a bit of... Bit of um, who was it? It's the first, uh, Dembele on Dembele, Costa? Dembele, yeah. Bit of, bit of a no, it wasn't a proper gouge. He sort of... Initially, I thought he was going like for his nose. I thought he was going to poke his nose and then it kind of goes <laughs> towards the eye. I, I, he got, a, I got mean, away with just a yellow. Unbelievable. I mean, I sort of think like, you know, there's a lot of things you can do that aren't an eye gouge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, easy not to like, do it. It, it. Like, it's not quite biting, but it's like, you know, why do you have to go there? Yeah, even the slap bit was a bit odd. But yeah, second half, Divock Origi comes on. Of course he of does. Of course he does, because it's Everton. Of course he does. This is a game where, if this were any other club in that situation that Liverpool were playing, Divock Origi would be nowhere near the pitch. But just because yeah. of that psychological thing in Everton's head of Div, fired him on, causes a bit of a hassle for the first goal, kind of stuck in the middle, gives Salah a ball to play off, Salah and clips at the back post, Robertson scores, and by that stage... 1-0 was all Liverpool needed to win this game because Everton were never winning this game of football. Yeah, and and so so we should say that, that Burnley won today, which means that for the first time in a very long time, Everton are in the bottom three. Yeah, Everton are what, two points behind Burnley with a game in hand. I Tough to see Everton getting out of it, I'll be honest. So, like, because the thing I'm interested by our good friend Michael Jackson who has uh, taken over? Uh, it's seeming well, apart, well. It seems to get confirmed, like reconfirmed every match that he is going to be the manager <laughs> for that match because obviously this is a reactionary club now after ten years. Um, like what he's actually changed to make them win matches because, as far as I can see, nothing has changed. I completely agree. I'm also not convinced that Mike Jackson is actually the manager. I think it's Ben Mee. I, I, I mean, let's let's face it. Ben Mee has a lot more authority than Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think Ben Mee looks great in the sidelines as well. To say, yeah, I'm all about it. I genuinely, at the rate he's going, I think Ben Mee should be up for manager of the month. <laughs> Would that be like the first ever like current player to win <laughs> manager of the month? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. and I, I think if he gets manager of the month, he should also get a player of the month nominee for you know just having both duties going on at the same time. But I ha but I have to say, I mean that is massive. I mean psychologically for Everton, that's not good. That they it was are... horrendous for Everton going into the game knowing Burnley had already beaten Wolves. Because because like that that is like Burnley beating Wolves. Like if you do any statistical thing pre match, that result doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, like like nobody would have thought that would be the result, like especially a clean sheet as well. 
Yeah, and you sort of look, I'm starting to look at Aaron's next batch of fixtures, and I really don't know. I mean, like, I, like, I mean, I, I sort of don't want Bernie to stay up just because I think Sack and Dyche will then be justified, but it, it wouldn't be. Uh, but I, I've, I've long thought, like, you know, just, like, they just know how to get out of it. Yeah, even today's game seemed to be one of those, they knew they were up against a Wolves team whose season's over. Well, well, it may not be over. I'll, I'll tell you more about that at the end of the poll. Oh, uh, but in my opinion, their season's over. <laughs> but Burnley just seem to play a style of football against them. An easy 1-0. If you look at the goal, nothing special about it. Just a vague horse ball across the Vidra. Uh, so, is that what... So it was like a flick on sort of thing? Just an easy like ball cut across over in the box, like and just tap in near post. Really yeah. wasn't anything special. You're not like it's not electrifying the crowd or anything. It's just like yeah, this is what this lot of boys do at this time of year. Yeah, it's a fair play to Burnley. Uh, it is just relegation, but um, if you look the way Everton played, Everton sort of tried to play a relegation ball type style. Despite where... the fact they've got like a guy who play- starts for Brazil every time they play. Well, if it was up to Jimmy Carger, he wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think if you watch the way Frank played for, or put Everton out there, it was sort of similar. Remember whenever Big Sam was in and they but, had but no like, intention of playing football at all. But, at even, but even when Big Sam was there, I mean, I can't really remember who was playing for them at the time, but I think they, had, they still had like Rooney and stuff. Um, like they, they could still actually score goals and defend. Yeah, yeah, there was no hint of scoring a goal in this game. If you, yeah. the, the stats were pretty damning after it, actually. Everton had one shot on target. They had one corner in comparison to Liverpool's 13 and also only had 17% of the possession. Mm. Yeah. Tough. Uh, one thing I will say in Everton's defence, uh, Brighton have won one more game than them. Oh, Chris. <laughs> It's all right. I'll just leave it at that. It's fine. I was always coming out. I just, I just, I just leave it at that. The ta- the, I, I, I accept the table doesn't lie, but that is a fact. The numbers don't lie. They've also got I, two games to hand in Brighton, so they might actually overtake them. But, yeah. <laughs> that would be a story. That'll be that'll be so great for your stock. That'll be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my only other takeaway from the game was it was ridiculous. I genuinely think Carger needs to come off Sky, not even for what <laughs> he was doing during the game, but at the end of the game when they asked for his man of the match. Uh-huh. And instead of giving it to a sensible option, maybe uh, Andy Robertson, he decided to give it to Divock Origi for the bounce. <laughs> so done with him. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, he is good, to be fair. No, he's not. Five more five more games that the rest of the season. I do not want to tune in. <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll go over to the sorry lunchtime kickoff, which was Arsenal mm. against Man United. Interesting, a lot of subplots going on in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually thought Man United played better, even though they were worse still. But they were—I thought they actually played a little bit better. Yeah, United went into the game with Harry Maguire without Harry Maguire. After yeah, there was bomb threats put his way. This yeah. this is two years in a row now. United have let themselves down with stuff like this. Remember last year? What was the other they, one? They were turning up the like Woodward's door. <laughs> right, okay, there was yeah. that last year and yeah. they're now emailing Harry Maguire to let him know that if he doesn't leave the club within 72 hours they're going to bomb his house um, now that has to be like dealt with let's be honest like that, it's Who's just ridiculous that? like I don't get who can who cares what... that much yeah like I love Chelsea I've not ever got to a stage where I've watched you're going to take up arms yeah where I'm going well Jorginho's had a stinker <laughs> let me email the guy and let him know I'm going to kidnap his family or something. You know, like, let's all I mean, surely, step back. surely it is easy enough to track these people down. It has to, it has to be. What an absolute clown show. Uh, but anyway, we'll get into the game. And early on for United, alarm bells must have been ringing. Three minutes in, Tavares scores. Well, it's not just that Tavares scores. It was the fact that Varane and Tellez both, like, missed the ball. Yeah. And you're like, and then Dallow didn't track Tavares. Yeah, and you're, and you're just like, lads, what, come on. Yeah, one of you was at Real Madrid last year and has won however many Champions oh, Leagues. Oh, oh, let, let's just reiterate, four Champions Leagues and one World Cup. <laughs> yeah, and a ball like that just completely evades him and then Tellez just panics as well. Yeah, 100%, the Dallow part of that goal was just shocking. <sighs> yeah, Tavares, Tavares had a strange game. I, I, I don't know really what I think of him. I thought, other than the goal, he was shocking. <laughs> 
I'll be honest, I would have taken them off. And if you watch the BT coverage, there was a point, I think. Uh, I, I, well, I, I, I was struggling through the BT coverage, I'll be honest. Yeah, an R in where the microphone sort of picked up a guy behind Arteta going, Mick, take him off now. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> Just from the stands. Um, it, did you notice that there was uh, three Portuguese fullbacks playing in this game? That didn't register with me at all, no. So you had Dalo and Cedric Suarez, who I'm pretty sure like do kind of jostle for the Portuguese right-back slot. Um, and then Tavares, who's obviously not Cancelo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but in the game, uh, there was a sack of penalty 32 minutes in. Chris, one of those I thought was harsh because earlier on, just before... There was Cedric Suarez handball in the opposition box that wasn't checked whatsoever. Yeah, Suarez kind of fell on the. Well, apparently, on it was something with the rules. Crawled. Like it was something with the rules. Apparently, that's not actually a handball. But I was like, oh, come on. See, rule that's nonsense for me. It's like how far have we gone with rules that crawling on all fours and putting your hand on the ball doesn't count? Well, but yet we can go to the other end and Kedia can score a goal. We can then disallow that for offside, but then spend another five minutes deciding if the contact Alex Tellez had on Saka was enough or not for a penalty. I just didn't get it. Well, look, anything to get like the the ex referee mid game uh, review of the of the incident from Peter Walton off my television will be welcomed. Peter Peter earned his wage this week. He was nonstop. How, how much do you think he actually gets paid for that, Billy? Oh, I would love to know. That is a ridiculous job. Like, do you reckon that's an appearance fee, or do you reckon that's per year he gets that? Imagine <laughs> like, him explaining that job to HMRC. <laughs> like, so what I do is, on a Saturday at half twelve, only hand. a Saturday at half twelve. Yeah, oh, 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 yeah, because that's the only time BT ever have it. Yeah. yeah. I sit there and tell you whether or not Burnley against Wolves have had a, <laughs> had a couple of incidents. Ridiculous job. But yeah, Saka scores his penalty. I think second soft penalty Saka's had in a week, I think. <laughs> I'd like to investigate the PGMOL for handing Saka penalties. I think <laughs> he's getting handled them like a make-a-wish kid, just to make him confidence going into the Qatar World Cup. Oh, look, he's done well. He's done no, well. No, conspiracy theory. That's two gifts he's had this week of penalties. Obviously, Chanter. Eddie Nketiah, as I say, scored. I must put my hands up. I, I was caught by Eddie Nketiah midweek, Chris. He's done, he, look, he's done, look, he's done well, but I, but I did take issue with the whole, like, Oh well, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll totally change yeah, our mind. Yeah, maybe he'll stay. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Federico Makeda scored the winner for Man United mm. one time. Uh, didn't mean they kept him. Yeah, hands up. The, he may have heard that my comments last week that he's not the guy. Is, <laughs> and then decided yeah. to score two. Is, is that a direct quote? Yeah, yeah. I, I said that. Is that, on is that the podcast. first ever Bailey bump? Uh, no, I reckon I've had plenty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that was one that where it, it's the fact that it was forty-eight hours later. Right. Where yeah, it killed me. That, yeah. but it was just the fact that part of the game killed me where it was... It's weird not supporting either team and going, I can't believe Man United have been hard done by by refereeing decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I, I, I think... It, I don't know when it actually happened. Did we record last week by the time Eric Ten Hag was officially announced? No, that came out a couple of days later. Because uh, I've heard him speak for the first time. Uh, where, I don't know if you saw this, Bailey. There was some footage doing the rounds. It was at one of the Sky reporters in Holland <laughs> after the Arsenal result literally asked him, uh, so, Eric, uh, you know, d- does this make you think, does this result make you think it's a bigger job than <laughs> you initially thought or some nonsense? And he literally was like, well, first of all, I kind of looked at him as if, well, hang on, I'm Here actually the referee of Ajax um, right now. But then he was like, oh, no, I'm not going to disrespect the club by giving what I think. Sky reporters are so weird with stuff like that, I, I find. know, I know. Also, the, also, like, the guy is very Dutch. I didn't quite realise his accent was like that. Well, like, <laughs> I was just like, going to mention... He's the thickest accent I've ever heard. I was just going to mention his potential backroom stuff of Steve McLaren. Do you reckon he's going to come, come in with his Dutch accent again? Uh, listen, Steve McLaren gets a bad ride because of Wally LeBrawley. Yeah. I get that, right? Totally underestimate how good he is as a coach. Let's be honest. No, no I'm, I'm not having this. Okay, right, let, let me set out a stall, right? He's Alex Ferguson's assistant for like a decade, right? No, stop stop there already. What? I've told what? you for months on what? this podcast, we need to stop this lot with Fergie. Anyone associated with Fergie, get them out of United. 
Right, okay, okay, well, we'll leave that to the side, right? The reason he got the England job was because with Middlesbrough, he got them to the UEFA Cup final in 2006. Middlesbrough, right? Then he does England, and then he goes to Holland. He goes to FC Twente with his assistant called Eric Ten Hag and wins the Dutch League two years in a row. Dutch football is so like Man United where it's jobs for the boys. But really, FC Twente are not Ajax. Let's be honest. <laughs> and then I think he went to Wolfsburg or something. But then, and then like it was like people yeah, thought... Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at it here. Twente, Derby County, Newcastle, Derby, Queen's Park Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, was at, he was at Wolfsburg just Wolfsburg. before. He was at FC Twente. I don't think the Wolfsburg actually worked out. But the um, I think it was like, like he didn't do terrible. Did he not get Newcastle back up? I know it's not really an achievement, but... Um, basically, the, the, he's, he's bringing him in because of his Man United thing, but also he's the guy who basically brought him into football. Hang on. I'm just going down Steve McLaren again. <laughs> and you can back up the guy all you want, Chris, and say, yes, good job with Middlesbrough and stuff. And that is quite an achievement. To, and then to get the England job at that stage, fair enough to him. But I'm reading here. In August 2017, McLaren right. joined Maccabi Tel Aviv as a coaching <laughs> consultant. He vacated the post on the 28th of December. <laughs> was that when like Abraham Grant was in charge? It, it could well have been. But... <laughs> I'm just, it just screams chancer, the lot of this. So it does. I think United are in trouble if this guy's going to be coming back to the club. Um, it'll be an interesting appointment. I mean, I'm interested to see what this guy's staff is like. I still don't really understand, Bailey, where this guy had the time to develop the masterclass of how Man United were going to redevelop under this guy. He's the Ajax manager, Chris. He <laughs> doesn't do anything every other weekend. It's the easiest job in football. Yeah, it's a look. It's a big. It's a big choice by the United hierarchy, of which I, I don't even really know what the United hierarchy is. Uh, but you know, regardless, to not go for Pochettino, well, they apparently also c- interviewed Julian Lopetegui, the Sevilla manager. I'll tell you what the United hierarchy is: Sir Alex Ferguson and Darren Fletcher. <laughs> I think that you give Darren Fletcher like I, I think you think Darren Fletcher has a disproportionate amount of influence. That he actually has, <laughs> to be honest. Darren Fletcher runs the club in my opinion. Like, you, like you, you, you just use Darren Fletcher as a byword for like man, yeah, mismanagement, despite the fact he's been there for like six months. <laughs> like, Dar- yeah, Darren Fletcher just embodies sort of that job for the boys of like Giggsy, Ollie, Mike no, like, and Carr, d- no, Darren crowd. Fletcher arrived like five minutes after that American guy who has the, <laughs> the AirPods in with Ralph. Darren Fletcher is the only reason, in my opinion, Scott McTominay is still in that team. Him, him and Fer- I still think Fergie picks a team most weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do I'm honest. I think the only reason Ten Hag's the one getting the job is because his mate Edwin van der Sars, director of football <laughs> at Ajax, put in a good reference for him. I mean, I saw, I saw what Edwin van der Sars said. It sounded like he was actually a bit annoyed, to be honest. But, but, but I, I did see rumours of there were some tweets going around of like an Ajax and Man United badge like shaking hands and stuff. Oh, don't even start me on that. Crack me up. And then whenever you look down the list of potential transfers he's bringing in, five of them are from Ajax. You're like, brilliant. Bring a lot is of them. Is Daily Blind coming back? He probably is. He's probably coming back as a consultant. <laughs> he still plays. Cab <laughs> Blint and Fletcher just sat on the bench. Will this be the great return of the like bizarre career of Dusan Tadic? It'd be, it'd be an improvement. I mean, the guy yeah. who went from like... All right, at Southampton to like Champions League tear upper, like get Haller back and everything. Oh my word, can you imagine if they brought Haller in? I'd love to see it just no to way. see what he would do to your lot. Because that's the thing, I actually they were doing like footage of the clubs that he's managed. Um, I think it's Utrecht where he had Haller as well. Oh, he just loves it. Is he, so, is so he, he like, like <laughs> he might he might bring him back in? Yeah, he's like his Fellaini. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But the only other thing we'll say on the managerial position of United is I thought it was interesting the whole Pochettino part of it, where apparently United didn't tell Pochettino he was unsuccessful. He just apparently just found out through Twitter, like the rest of us. I mean, it's classic the way that Man United have been run recently, to be honest. I can't believe Fergie didn't send him a text. <laughs> <laughs> but I've just realized we've nowhere near finished this game. Uh, oh, oh, oh game. sorry, yeah. Ronaldo did score. Crack and finish, I thought. Real awkward on there's boot was, the way it came in. Yep. Nicely finished. 
And then later on in the game, Granite Xhaka boots the ball away in classic style for a yellow <laughs> card. Which, again, let's start looking at this guy's bet- betting accounts. <laughs> because that was so blatant. Well, 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 well there was rumours about that earlier in the season. Uh, yeah. a, a, a great, great finish, though. And then, exactly, yeah, he does the most Granite Xhaka thing ever of getting booked and then scores from outside the box. Um, I mean, so Ronaldo joining the 100 club, uh, it's a big deal, big day. It, it's just so bizarre in my head that that hasn't been a thing before. I mean, I mean, I think it's all, like, I could be wrong, but I'm going to suggest that that may be the longest time between a player starting in the Premier League in, like, the last, because it was, like, 2003 mm. uh, when well, he started. I mean, Crouch might break that. I'm thinking the foes, surely. Defoe, I mean, I think Crouch, Defoe and Ronaldo probably all started in the Prem at roughly the same time. I I still can't... Like, I genuinely think... They're, you know the way Sky did that programme, the 100 Club? I'm yeah. genuinely convinced they've had a Ronaldo one of those going. <laughs> I, I'm convinced I've seen it on TV. Because is... he left... He went to Real Madrid in 2009. Yeah, and then obviously spent like, so 10 years old. away. 11, 12. Yeah, because Peter Crouch did it when he was 36. He, was he at Burnley whenever he'd done it? No, I think he was still at Stoke. He was still there, right? I don't think he actually scored for Burnley. <laughs> he was just up there causing nuisance. Yeah. And no, the only other things I had from this game was the Bruno miss penalty. I thought, oh. as he was going up to it, you're like, yeah, he's definitely missing this. But I thought the Aaron Rams... The I, I, I was going to mention Was that. a disgrace. I mean, he's just trying to do one up on Pickford. Like with with the, like the kind of yeah, Rams guy. Yeah, Rams still needs to cut that out of his game immediately. I, there's a lot of that, and yeah, he does, the way he celebrated, it was as though he had went the right way and saved it. No, you went the wrong way. Uh, you got your part wrong. Don't start celebrating like you've won something. Uh, we'll have to say as well, in true Under the Lights um, fashion, um, Nuno T- Tavares, the goal celebration, Billy. <laughs> um, that, was, that was not a good knee slide. That needs a bit of work. Because I don't know whether you saw it, Bailey, and you'll probably have to look it up right now if you haven't seen it. But we may have had the best knee slide of all time during the week. From who? Nathan Collins of Burnley. That, oh, yeah, yeah. Don't even need to look at it. Yeah. Sensational. It. I mean, yeah, for, I, I thought the guy was going to break his ACL. Yeah, for a guy I called out weeks ago saying he's a championship footballer, fair enough. He knows how to celebrate. Like, Stunned by it. I mean, he's only like 19, uh, but I was concerned for the state of his knees post... Like, whenever he hit that airtime, I was like, oh, man. He's got, yeah, he's got a lander. Fair play to him. I, yeah, I, I want to know whenever he's, like, practised that, because there's no well, way... Well, that, that that, that's time. what I was thinking. You know, like, is he doing what, like, Delhi and Son Hyo Min used to do and, like, practice their handshakes? He's just practising <laughs> knee slides now Deitch is gone. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, you know, is that kind of some GAA in his youth... Oh, true, actually, yeah. You know, because, uh, you know... Yeah, like, I've actually scored back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't think about that, yeah. And actually, I've plenty more in this game. Uh, I'm fed up with Mikel Arteta. Um, there was, in, in when I was watching it um, with, my, with my family, there was a bit of words about Arteta, yeah. Arteta needs to stay, stick to his technical area. I'm fed up of it, and he gets away with it too often. <laughs> He like, was on the pitch at one point. <laughs> it, it was, you know, because cause I, thought, I thought the turning point was the giving the ball to the throw-in when they were playing Watford because Roy couldn't do that. Yeah. Like, I thought that was kind of like, that was the bar. Yeah, someone needs to just tell him, sit down. Um, and especially the technical area at the Emirates. It's not like there's not enough room there. Well, yeah, because, I mean, Ralph isn't really your kind of like... I mean, w- what I find interesting about Ralph is, I don't know whether you noticed during the, the Liverpool match, like... Really wound up during that game compared yeah. to normal. Like normally yeah, he's very stoic. Jurgen very... was there. Yeah, I think that's what it was. He's like, I'm the godfather of this guy, you know. So I have to, I have to be better. Yeah. There was also an incident with Nemanja Matic after he came off. And a lot it? of this seems to be happening with United now, where like the, what? the bench seemed to have interactions with the fans behind them. Um, Matic sort of turned around some Arsenal fans were getting him stick and he turned around and done the Jose Mourinho and held up three fingers and went three for me zero for you type thing oh, so, oh really oh that's hilarious I, I mean I, I actually but, think I actually think Matic was alright in this game 
to be honest. I thought like, so money that in general were okay. Well, like like Maric said that he was leaving at the end of the season or so. Yeah, because we're currently in a period, I think Ralph said it after the Liverpool game, where we're expecting anywhere from 8 to 12 players to leave United. I think 6 are players out of contract, sort of Matic, Mata, Pogba. Lingard. Cavani, Lingard, yes. There's 5 off the Phil bat. G- you know. Phil Jones, maybe. Oh, you never know. They could run him out again, throw him under a bus the way they did at Anfield midweek. It, that was brutal, wasn't it? That was shock. That was such mismanagement. I mean, like, you know... And then they brought him off at half time, and I was like, All "Yeah, right. what was the point of even starting him then?" <laughs> yeah. There was a point. There was a corner kick thirty minutes in where you just saw him with his hands on his knees, and you're like, "Why? Why is he playing here?" <laughs> yeah. And then they started raving about that. This was more mismanagement. I fell from Ralph uh, bringing on that boy Hannibal midweek against Liverpool. I, I no, I, I've heard very good things about that guy, but N- no. that didn't have a good game. Not in that game. He came on, had one Maguire's. Game a ball on the halfway line. Ah, it was bad, a hospital bad, pass. Yeah. yeah, bad touch, and he tries to go by a man on the halfway line. Liverpool then go and score. He then loses the head and starts just kicking people. I thought, what is Ralph? Like, Ralph has put this 19-year-old kid out in into the pit that is Anfield, getting tanked. But like, the, what, What's that doing for his career? But the issue with Hannibal Medjbury, I think is his name, is, I don't even know, this is Bailey, but Man United have two... Like young players who both have absolutely massive afros. Have you know, yeah. you know this? There's a guy yeah. called There's a guy called Chong, who's playing yeah, a couple of Chong, times. Yeah, like where's this come from? I don't know. Clearly, they've must have thought just they've, they've been completely deceived by looks. Just gone off. Oh, they look class. It makes them look quicker. I think whenever they have an afro. Yeah, because yeah, because I was always yeah. Whenever Fellaini played, I was always like, how does that not get in the way? Like I don't I don't understand yeah. how that works. Yeah. David Lloyd was another one. He looked so much quicker whenever he was doing them daft runs in the midfield because the hair was like all the way back. What, what happened to David Lloyd? What's he doing these days? I think he's just living life. I don't he, think did he not actually sign for another team? I don't think so. I think he's just enjoying sitting on a beach somewhere. Um, he is signed for Flamengo, apparently. Well, there you go. That'll, that'll be a Club World Cup in the bag soon. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Wherever that is next year, he's probably on the plane already. Um He's still got his afro, I can't confirm. Love to hear it. Uh, we'll go on to our two teams, Chris. We've spoken way too much about United. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, that reconfirms. I'm a bigger United man than most United men out there. I want to <laughs> make that clear. Uh, uh, but yeah, we'll go on to Chelsea West Ham, where for 45 minutes, I was ready to give up on the season. Uh, that, that was a terrible match. Um, uh, Craig Dawson, sensational for 85 minutes. Well, not 85 minutes, 40 minutes. His game was cut short. 40 minutes, he was sensational. The first 45, we can't count. And it's so annoying that you won the match because Rice dropped back because he was filling for Dawson and then he left the gap and then Pulisic went into the gap and then he scored. Yeah. And I was like, oh, for flip's sake. <laughs> right. So as this game went, the first half, there was both teams were nil-nil on both the actual score and the expected goals score. Which tells you oh, really, really? You know, yeah, West Ham put their second team out because they've a bigger well, game midweek in terms of West Ham, you know, going listen, in the listen, European that, semi-final is bigger than a game at Stamford Bridge. Well, I, listen, I completely get it. I'll always take a Mark Noble start. I do love that. Yeah, Noble starting's an interesting one because even I'm watching it going, he, he looks dumb at this level. Well, whenever he's come on in Europe, he has actually been quite good seeing the game out. Um, like kind of yeah, you know, popping a few. It, his passing is actually very good. And I think still. it's fine whenever he plays that way because he's sort of a bit of protection around him in terms of Rice and Suchek and a bit of running whenever well. it was just him. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit tougher, you know, he's a lot more ground to cover for that reason. Yeah, and he's on the same side as Maswaku, who's not going to defend. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, from my perspective on the Chelsea side, Golo Conte was both our best player and worst player in this game. Oh, right. Okay. I thought he was fantastic in terms of just interceptions and everything, but Chelsea needed something going forward. And he seemed to be the person that was furthest forward trying to create, but the guy can't create. Well, he can a wee bit. Yeah, but not enough to break down a somewhat reasonable West Ham team today, especially in the form. You, uh, you, you, You checked yourself there, yeah? I said somewhat reasonable. Like I'm not. <laughs> you, you weren't putting out world beaters there today. Listen, Craig Dawson. 
Well, Craig Dawson had one of those games where you know just everything Chelsea seemed to do just hit him. I'll let you. Know, I'll let you in the secret, Billy. He's done that every game he's played this season. But I, I don't know if he did anything other than I think Chelsea just kept hitting him. Well, I, th- I think his body just seemed to be constantly. No, as Gary way. Neville said, there is an art to the block. I know there, but that many, and I don't know. Well, because well, the issue is we he's our only fit first team centre back, so we had to play Ben Johnson and Cresswell as part of a back three, which is what I thought he would do. Um, but they are they can both do that. So yeah, so going into the game, I kind of thought that whenever I saw that news that he was only fit centre back, I, I immediately started getting flashbacks to. Uh, however many years ago it was now, whenever West Ham turned up to the bridge with only one fit keeper, and it was that guy who ended up going to Millwall. I can't remember. He was a real nobody, but had the game of his life. It wasn't your man in the jogging bottoms, was it? Um, Gabor Kirai, the, Hungri- the Hungarian guy? No, the, the guy was very English. Uh, right, okay. One of the most English people I've ever seen in my life, and he had the game of his life, and I was like, Craig Dawson's going to have that. Yeah. And he did, as you say, for 85 minutes, fantastic. And then, unfortunately, lets Lukaku get the wrong side of him and just drags him back, penalty and red card. Yeah, it was it was very annoying. So it means that uh, Ajibola Alise, who apparently has been the best player in the Premier League 2 this season, our captain of the under-21s, will probably play next week. The who, do who does play next week? Come uh, on, that game, that, that, that game doesn't matter. The, uh, Arsenal? I know, but Frank, Frankfurt... This week and Frankfurt next week are the Listen, big games. Like no, no, you're right. But as I'll explain later on, there may be some issues with the table <laughs> and European permutations. <laughs> but yeah, with the the penalty, Jorginho steps up. And ah. the Sky commentator confidently says, "If you needed a man to score oh, so a penalty in this situation, so you'd have your money on him." And he passes it to Fabianski. It was it was quite funny. Yeah. And then yeah, as you say, later on, playoff Pulisic. Who did nothing for twenty minutes that he was on? <laughs> did he come on for like the right wing back? He sort of. There was a triple change where Havertz, Werner, and Loftus Cheek all came off. And, oh right, yeah. And three of them came on. I I honestly did nothing, but LeBron James is soccer. Because the, the, there was like because of these restrictions on Chelsea, there was some serious noise coming from the West Ham fans. Yeah, and there was one one interesting chant I heard during the game. Where there was a few, you know, the classic banter ones. They they heard Arsenal sing a few during the week. Uh-huh. Uh, they also did what Arsenal did and started stealing the Super Tommy Tuchel chant again. Okay. The Arsenal the way Arsenal have stolen it doesn't make sense because they finished the chant with Arsenal are going to win the Premier League. <laughs> no, you aren't. <laughs> Well, Arsenal and Chelsea famously have the worst chance of any fans in the Premier League. Of mm. Chelsea, 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 and Arsenal. Arsenal. <laughs> but West Ham this game decided to sing a song that went, Marcus Alonso, it should have been you. I mean, but, but the way that I heard it, Billy, surely it's been sung before. They didn't make that up, did they? That was the first I've heard it. Now I've heard no every I've heard everything sung at Marcus Lonzo midweek again. Took a hammering from Arsenal. He gets booed everywhere he goes. There's a chance of murder or everything. But this is the first time I've heard it should have been you. Look, look, look it, I, I thought it touched dark. I I'm not going to defend that. <laughs> and I, I did. I I just assumed that other fans had sang that. But I thought that's probably a bit far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, yet another game where Stamford Bridge pretty pretty empty because of the sanctions and everything. Billy, the atmosphere was pathetic. It, it, it's awful. No, but, um, no, but, again, but, but I'm, I'm not saying because of the restrictions. I'm saying the guys who were there. But again, there's like if you look, there's so many empty seats. What do you want the Billy, people there, there to whole, do? Billy, there was a whole stand. There was definitely more Chelsea fans than West Ham no, fans. No, if, if you, oh, of course there is. <laughs> we're, at home, we're still at home like well, well but, that's what I mean yeah. but the bridge is notoriously quiet anyway you take an extra amount of that it kills it plus the team don't look like they care there's a, there's a whole lot like the team didn't get the fans up for it or anything there's yeah it's a whole issue at the moment but should finish in third our season's over until the 15th of May wake me up then uh, yeah pretty crazy run for getting another final for Tuchel yeah, someone did mention the FA Cup run of Chelsea this week, and I'll be honest, we've had a gift this year in the FA Cup. It's like one of them proper Man City runs. Whenever you look at the teams we've played, they get there. Yeah, but I'll not complain. Uh, but we'll go on Man City. City won a few teams that still care after. against uh, Watford, who don't care. Um, uh, well, 
I, like there was actually like a small spell where I was like, oh, Watford are doing doing all right. There was a moment early on where Manuel Dennis was sort of through one on one. A sensational and tackle from Zinchenko. No, what he fouled him. Oh, did it? I'm, I'm convinced he did. Every replay I saw, I was like, that's a foul. But because the referee, A, it's outside the box and the referee originally called it as, like, he won the ball. All right. It wasn't checked or anything. I mean, I mean, Watford didn't help themselves. I mean, after your man Kamara scored, like, straight from kickoff for the second half, the, the guy can't even clear it. Yeah, pathetic. And then Ben Foster just sells himself. Uh, well, I, yeah, I was actually more annoyed that Ben Foster was annoyed at them because I was like, well, you could have done more. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I also love how it got so bad they had to bring on Craig Cathcart to finish up to save the game. Yeah, because they're kind of going at that point, you know, five, ship five today, let's not make this six, seven, eight or nine. I actually think, Billy, that... I mean, I know Watford's defence in midfield isn't the best. In fact, on paper, Bar Norris is the worst in the league. But the front three probably could have done more this season. I, I, um, I don't know. Like, Well, part of that's your fault. Because <laughs> you kept saying Emmanuel Golden Boot Dennis, so you scuttled him. But like, I know his Midasar was not playing from like November or something. But like, like that, that's a good front three. Yeah, in terms, yeah, he had his injury and then the Afcon. And, and, then, and that, that, this guy Joao Pedro, who's like twenty, has like played for Brazil as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with you that this lot could have done more. Um, in terms of that three, they should have at least had entertaining games you know they'll definitely ship a couple but they should be winning a couple games sort of yeah. like 4-3 or 3-2 three, here and there but it's sort of like what, what, what are they, I mean I'm sure they'll probably go back up again but it's sort of like you know what do they do now like another uh, well, rebuild like well, yeah well Sar Sar has to get his move eventually like his head's gone he should have gone the other year I can actually see Emmanuel Dennis staying to be honest probably will uh, lo- loves the loves the club I'm trying to think where else he where, where would I place him Luckily, he could go to any other, you know, one of the promoted teams or something, probably. Like a palace, I could yeah. see. Like, he's, he's good, yeah. yeah uh, Gabriel Jesus this week, we found out that yep. there's, he, he's looking to move, and Arsenal are most likely candidates, and as soon as that appeared, he decided to score four. Yeah, Pep had an interesting reaction. He was like, yeah, he's one of our guys or something, he was saying. I was like, City, right. City's whole transfer policy I just find very interesting, because they don't seem to like really care whenever someone leaves. It's just like, yeah, go. I mean, I, I back the selling of Ferran Torres, despite the fact that Barcelona definitely didn't actually have mm. the money to do it. Yeah, because they, they, they just buy players, get a bit of profit on them, and it's like, right, grass isn't greener on the other, like, we're Man City, the grass isn't greener wherever you're going. If someone puts in a good bid, we're taking it. Similar, they had the attitude the other season, remember, I remember Laporte wanting to go, Bernardo Silva wanting to go. That was weird, yeah. And Pat was kind of like, yeah, if, if, if someone puts in the right face, see ya. Which I have a lot of respect for. It. But yeah, Man City scored five this game. Uh, but still no stats for Jack Grealish. <laughs> but there's no mention of that in the English media. Uh, the Rod- <laughs> Rod- Rodri goal was interesting because I thought great hit, but hilarious sort of the circumstances. Yeah, yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. De Bruyne down the ground injured, all the City fans whistling and want the ball to be kicked out. Yeah. Ball drops to Rodri and absolutely nails one in the top corner. Yeah, but, but as you know, I'm a big fan of Rodri. Big Rodri guy. I don't know. Yeah, as I've said before, perfect midfielder. That's 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 a hyperbole. Perfect. Nah. <laughs> nah. But yeah, that's the last kind of game that really mattered. We'll uh, rush well, through a couple of others. Yeah, there was Brentford right. Tottenham, which was a nothing game, other um, than a bit of a hug fest. I thought. Well, I, well, I, I had a bit of a lot of respect for Ericsson at the end. He was very kind to all the. There's Spurs yeah, I thought yeah, I thought that was a good touch. He went over and signed a couple of shirts and everything. But then of course, of course, then all the chat was, oh well, maybe he'll go back to uh, oh. Spurs. Uh, people seem to forget that like it actually he didn't actually get on very well with Conte at Inter Milan. I, I don't know if people realize that or not. Yeah, and we also saw in a documentary we have footage of him <laughs> wanting out because the guy wanted two hundred thousand pound a week. I sure, I sure, all his Danish mates are at Brentford. If I was him, I would stay. Like. It'll be interesting as well because apparently rumours came out today of Pochettino getting out of PSG. What, going back to Spurs? And then there's talk of him and Conte switching jobs, basically. Oh, come on. And I imagine, you know, if Poch does go back, Poch seems to me, Poch freaks to me if a job's for the boys guy, Bang back <laughs> the Geller, Dele, Christian, get back. 
<sighs> Harry Winks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Harry Winks will be captain. <laughs> so, but yeah, that game for me, just sitting there on a Saturday night watching that game, nothing happening. It, just every touch Christian Eriksen had, we all just thought they applaud him. It was like, great. But To be fair, they were, they were good touches. Yeah, but it's just like, someone do something. <laughs> like, the entire post-match analysis was just showing us Christian Eriksen corners that weren't converted. <laughs> great. Uh, we also had Leicester against Villa this weekend. I think Villa are sneakily going under a radar for being bad. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think they're underperforming compared yeah, to the team I, that they have. You know, four losses, one draw in their last five. If Steven Gerrard weren't mates with everyone at Sky Sports, we'd be talking about him. Front four of Bailey, uh, Watkins, Coutinho and Buendia should, and be, score. should be creating more. Comple- I think the entire Villa thing is very similar to just how Philippe Coutinho plays. Like, Whenever Villa win games, Coutinho has stunners. It, it, whenever Coutinho was back at Liverpool, he had games like this where he'd, ha- he'd sort of play sort of one one in five games of his would be world class. Mm. You know, he would stink for four games, but then he would score one for 40 yards. Mm-hmm. He can just go missing quite a bit, I think. Yeah. But yeah, Aston Villa have not been good. But there was actually, I was watching the overlap this week of Gerrard was pretty good. Uh, yes, I, I listened to that. Um, I he, he does interest me. I, I, I find him quite hard to read, to be honest. Yeah, because so you spent the entire thing kind of being like, oh yeah, everyone kind of has my life planned out for me, but I don't, I'm just living it by the moment. And you're like, no, we all know you want to end up at Liverpool. Like, well, just... well, I know. But it was also interesting that you kind of was, he was talking about that, oh, well, maybe I should have actually went to Rangers or Celtic rather than LA Galaxy to see my career. For playing, yeah. I thought but that then, was interesting. Also, I, I would disagree with him there because I think... What he wanted from that LA Galaxy move was just to get out of the Liverpool bubble and get well, away from that kind of thing. Whereas, uh, of course it was, yeah. You know, but if he went up the Celtic Rangers at that time, <laughs> you know, it's that's intense. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't need to go from the Merseyside kind of derby and atmosphere to the Glasgow derby and the old firm kind of mm. that, you know get away get the LA get on the beach. I I thought no that was a stupid comment from yeah. But yeah, you mentioned earlier, Chris, Leicester and kind of where they are, that there's some strange kind of European permutations coming up. Yeah, so so basically, we could be in a situation where the eighth place team is in Europe next year. Is this because of West Ham potentially winning and Liverpool slash City potentially winning? It can basically only happen if both West Ham and Leicester win their respective European competitions. Yes, because they're in the Conference League, of course. But, here, but here's the crazy thing, Billy. Newcastle United could finish it. Which would be ridiculous considering where they were earlier in the year. Yeah. So, so it's basically like if one wins and the other doesn't, then it basically stays... It, 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 well, like Leicester go into the Europa League. That means the sixth place team goes into the Conference League or something okay. like that. Uh, but then because... Chelsea or Liverpool and then Man City and Liverpool have won the cup so like 5th, 6th and 7th are still European spots but it's just which one they go into yes of course uh, so is that for the conference league winning the conference league gets you a Europa League spot <laughs> yeah so Leicester would actually be in the Europa League next year what a horrible sort of <laughs> prize <laughs> I mean, at, yeah. At, at least let them in sort of that like Champions League sort of well, stage I, where like Linfield play. Because this is what I'm kind of thinking is that like, I don't know if it's a worse thing for losing the Europa League to West Ham, the fact that we would lose it, or the fact that we'd be in the Conference League next year. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, that should be what David Moyes has up on the board. Being mm-hmm. like, boys, see if we don't win this, by the way, we're paying <laughs> Bodo Glimp next year. <laughs> Who will definitely get beat by. Hundred <laughs> percent. We have to go there and get snowballs chucked at us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I didn't realize that, that is in all of the UEFA sort that out the conference league thing. I I do think it's it's made it's made the, like every league's permutations way more complicated. And then of course UEFA have started this thing with the Champions League from next year, where they're going to base a place in the competition based on historical performance. Yeah. So that's all going to kick it. The entire thing's a mess. Um, we also could have no team in the Conference League, actually. Uh, because That'd be perfect. Because, yeah, the only way Wolves or whoever finishes eighth... Or maybe, maybe I've understood that wrong. Oh, oh he's got it wrong. 
Oh, the Athletic have edited the article. Oh yeah, now you chuck someone on their bus. Chuck the Athletic. Oh, flipping. Who wrote this? Author. I'm gonna name them. Yeah, yeah. Jacob Whitehead. <laughs> What's he doing? He's got you. This article has been corrected to reflect the fact that 8th place cannot qualify for European <laughs> competition through domestic league position. I literally read that differently before that was edited. What a joke. They're meant to, they're meant to be the... Anyway, I've got a bone to pick uh, related to that, which we'll get to in the mud anyway. So. Oh, there's uh, an athletic subscription we, being cancelled as we, 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 should, we should also say, uh, with um, Southampton Drew with Brighton today, uh, James Ward-Prowse, another free kick. Yeah, that's all, that's literally the only thing I had written down um, about that. Four game. off Beckham now. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna smoke that. So he is. Yeah, yeah. As long as he stays in the Premier League, which he will. Fair play to the guy. Although, as I've said before, I think Southampton should be. I I think we need up the amount of relegation spots in the Premier League, and because I want Southampton out of it. Southampton are like twelfth. Yeah, but I want them gone. I'm just done with them <laughs> as a football club. I'm just like. I can't have a team in this division that there's a serious threat of them losing 9 0 every year. <laughs> yeah. I just can't have it. Put, like, Jenny, put him in Man United or something. Yeah. Someone someone phone Sir Alex and see if that's okay with him. <laughs> but yeah, we'll go into it in the mud. And in the mud this week is football team ownership. Uh, and for once, this isn't actually about Chelsea, it's about Manchester City and the City Football Group. Uh, City Football Group this week tried to buy NAC Breda, which is a Dutch club. City Football yep. Group had agreed a seven million euro deal for it, which uh, for hi, whatever reason, hi, hi on a second. I thought that was too low a figure. That's that is insulting. Yeah, imagine turning around the like. I it says here <laughs> that uh, Breda have a nineteen thousand capacity stadium. Imagine turning oh, around the one of them being break. like, being like, here your club's worth seven million that's, euro. That's bigger than Ravenhill. <laughs> but like turn around these people being like your club's worth less than I'm trying to think of a muck player <laughs> Who, who's gone for like 10 million in recent years um, I, I know I, I know what you mean yeah. this club's worth less than Cesar Espelicueta was worth in 2012 let's oh, put it that way <laughs> yeah but yeah the the bid failed this week uh, Why? the football group had a great deal to buy them and make them the 11th club in their portfolio and they're fifth in Europe. I didn't realise they own Girona, Troyes in France and Lamel in Belgium. Yeah, th- this is why they had like six players playing in the AFCON that we've never heard of. Yeah. So uh, apparently the, the group had enjoyed a, a partnership with Breda because apparently a bunch of city players have gone over there on loan and there's yes, been I information that. sharing. Yeah. That, that part of it kills me but there's also been scouting and apparently Breda wanted a bit more of an association but it got to the point where Fair enough. the support, apparently the hardcore support, decided they were going to stand in the way of the bid because they well, didn't like want the ultras. Lose, yeah, they didn't want to lose their identity, basically, because I think City were going to come in and basically make just... Make them blue. Tr- yeah, make them light blue, turn them in their factory where it's like, if you have any half-decent players, they're coming our way. Oh, I hate that, yeah. But yeah, apparently there was banners put out the stadium saying, instead of our territory, oh, NAC really? is not a City group story. Oh, interesting, right? Is what they wrote, but yeah, they've been... So it's literally group. because of the supporters? Yeah, the supporters backlash. Fair play, right? But I thought the entire thing was kind of interesting, because I'm reading here, they're eighth in the second division. Like, what does City want with that? Well, are they not in the area of visit? I, th- I assume they were, but as I keep going down this article, they're eighth in the oh, second right. division. Oh, right. But it's the thing about the City group, where it's like... For years, there was mass outrage whenever Chelsea loaned people out to various clubs around the world. And because, well, there still is. Well, not really, because Why? There, there's far fewer of them. Well, there's Maybe. not really, but all right. Well, I suppose, actually, sure, Arsenal, Arsenal claimed there's entire conspiracy against them. Forgot about that bit. <laughs> but yeah, there's mass outrage over that, and there's mass outrage because like one guy a year went to the Tess Arnhem. City own 11 football clubs around the globe. No, no, I, no, I, I totally agree. Like, yeah. Like it's ridiculous. They won in the states, so it's like any half decent player over there get him shipped over to England. Yeah. Coaching Patrick Vieira was over there coaching. You were yep. telling me earlier they have a club in Mumbai. Uh, yeah, yeah. The only continent they don't have one on is Africa. Uh, there's also hilarity when you go into their website. Um, on the right hand side, there's a trespassing junction because of an what? incident in August 2017 when individuals gained unauthorized access to the Etihad Stadium. 
Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, Is that potentially like one of them like dumb YouTube videos where like some guys climbed it? I've seen a bunch of them going around. Well, it's, well, it's like you know they've got that campus which you see in the documentary or whatever. Yep. It's like I think they like got in there or something. But yeah, I just thought the entire thing. I'm I'm glad it's failed, but I think there isn't enough talk about Man City and what they're doing in the football globally. Well, well nobody likes Man City, clubs. so like, yeah, but but no one talks about it. It's like well. Yeah. There was mass outrage because Chelsea just said they loan a couple of boys, but City literally own clubs everywhere and well, no one speaks about it. I, I'm not sure you well, I am not sure you appreciate that people sort of equally see Chelsea and Man City as being similar. Oh yeah, we're both evil. <laughs> but it's just I hear more negativity about my football club and I'll make it all about them as yeah. I always do. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, I actually unbelievably have it have a actually quite related in the mud. That's it's, totally like coincidental. Let's get involved. Uh, so you may have seen, Bailey, that Barnsley got relegated from the championship this weekend. Yeah. Um, you may have also seen that AS Nancy got relegated from the French Ligue 1 today. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, because I didn't see that one. Well, well, here's the thing, right? Um, this is where the Athletic needs to take a good hard look at themselves. Their subscription's getting cancelled here. Because all I've heard in the past year on the Athletic is how well run are Norwich City, how well run are Brighton Hove Albion, and how well run are Brentford, and how well run are Barnsley. Because they all do the exact same thing of these American Moneyball type data, all the rest yep. of it. You know. The same guys own Nancy that own Barnsley. These American guys. And they've been relegated on the same weekend. <laughs> now, you're not telling me, Bailey, that that is a successful model. Like, regardless of, of whatever, like, oh, we've got to do it sustainably. You, you do got to do it sustainably. But you can't just get relegated in the same weekend. I love the idea of, like, Barnsley and Nantes fans, like, coming together for, like, a protest about the owners, you know, like... <laughs> Just these two cities that have nothing to do with each other just coming together to hate a group of Americans. Because, like, Barnsley have basically went... They've went up and down, similar to Norwich, like, from League One to the Championship, I think, four mm. times in the past couple of years because they have the same, you know, model of, oh, well, we'll get these young guys in through data, sell them on, loan a few in. Yeah. But they just get relegated every time. <laughs> so, like, well, you know, there's no improvement. Just bad data. Well, what can happen? Well, well, you, well you, you, you couldn't criticise that, Billy. You know, well, you know the the movie Moneyball's out there showing the successful settle. I think we need a movie about these two showing how bad data can go. Yeah, because I, I was flicking over uh, the other day, and I know I've never really watched the Match of the Day top ten since the, it was actually one of the only good things on during lockdown. <laughs> but there was there was chat between Gary, Allen, and Micah about the use of data in football these days, and there were there was a lot of quotes being bandied around like. Oh, it's just XG this and XG that these days. <laughs> you know, if one if a CDM is just back to the wall has a hundred percent passing accuracy, they're not actually had a good game. You know, <sighs> it was uh, it was it was quite funny to listen to in light of literally how the, the entire athletic business model. Yeah, that's three people who sit on sofas and sit in a studio rather than actually manage clubs. I think to be fair to Alan, he is on board roughly, um, and he's actually part of the athletic. I think as well. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I want to see how much longer your athletic subscription lasts. Absolutely. What a disgrace. The only other thing to mention, because uh, not that I would ever pick this up, but it was because of tweets I saw of Neville and Co. <laughs> that uh, Oldham Athletic have been relegated from the Football League for the first time. The first ever club to go from the Premier League to the conference. Which is crazy to think. Like, how bad have things gone there? Yeah, apparently it's very similar to Macclesfield and Bury. I've heard. I did. I did see fans on the pitch, and the game had to be called off for a certain amount of time. I think later on that evening. Yeah, because that's Scholes' team. Yeah, they basically because he, yeah, he, he that's his boyhood team, and he managed them for like twenty days and left. Yeah, he was there for a couple of weeks, a cup of coffee, and then cleared off back to <laughs> BT Sports Studio. Talk nonsense. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they had 14 minutes left of the game to play and played it behind closed doors. I think in those 14 minutes, nothing happened. They lost 2-1 to Salford. Again, but like, but like a, a how Paul did they get Scholes the fans team. out? Like, that's what I want to know. I don't know. I think they just got the players out and shifted them to like a local leisure centre on the 3G and told them to play there. Um, we, we should also give a shout-out, just before we finish the pod, Bailey, to, um, to Kyle Lafferty. 
What's cat? No, no, not for me. Uh, because I don't What's know why. So we almost had the biggest upset in Scottish football history of our Broth getting promoted to the Scottish Premiership. Um, with a final day clash between Kilmarnock and our Broth, to whoever won goes up basically, <laughs> and uh, of course Kyle Lafferty who. <laughs> Let me just give a slight context for this. Kilmarnock got relegated from the Scottish Prem last year. Kyle Lafferty got eight goals in nine and then turned <laughs> down a contract, went to Cyprus for five months and went back to Kilmarnock and has now uh, won the Scottish Championship yeah, against so, our Bruce. Yeah, for that reason, we'll not be shout- shouting him out. That's ridiculous <laughs> that we'll be getting on like that. <laughs> and he, also, he scored eight and 12, I think, for Kilmarnock this season. Unbelievable record. No, I'm not having it. No. Um, <laughs> I'm not editing it out, but I'll be honest, I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But on that note, uh, we'll finish up. And yeah, we're in that point of the season, crunch time. So enjoy all the football you can while it's there. And hopefully the games you do watch actually matter. Yeah, goodness knows what we'll do at Christmas when the World Cup's on. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a mess. But yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, we'll speak to everyone next week. Thanks for listening.